American people, American parents, this monster thinks you're an idiot. And that's how arrogant she is about it, to sit in front after having been sworn in to give testimony at Congress. That's the best they could do. Screw that. Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff. The whole gang's back together. You guys are letting me back in. I don't know. I mean, locked me out for about a week, so great job in my absence. We tried tried building a wall. Well, almost worked. Incredibly, while you were gone- You had your best- The podcast (laughs) literally was listened to by- Thousands upon thousands of people. But anyway, welcome back. <laughs> I'm that was Arnold. nice while it was la- that lasted. Scott Jennings is part of this program. Uh, Kevin Grout is here. Sean Southern, Jared Crawford. Yeah. Seriously, guys, great job. Uh, I, mean, I, I really enjoy. I was traveling. I was in Pennsylvania, D.C., Tennessee. You were around. Georgia, man. back to Kentucky. All right, Johnny Cash, sing it out. And uh, <laughs> I've been everywhere, man. Me, anyway, um, but it was it was really fun. To be keeping track of all of this by just by downloading the podcast almost every day. I mean, how many have you been done the last week or two? It's well, crazy. We had an incredible run. We did four candidates for governor. We had uh, radio legend Eric Erickson, who was in mm-hmm. Louisville, thanks to Sean's invitation. We had the head of Americans for Tax Reform, Grover Norquist. We I was had, here for that one. So we had two like national caliber guests, four leading candidates for governor, it, it was an incredible sort of several days for us. And I have to say, everybody that came in here and did it, a lot of great material. The guests were good. They were prepared. It was really, I think, valuable conversations. I, don't, I mean, I was... I, I thought, well, as a listener, I can tell you, and I, I was here for the Alan Keck, but then uh, the, yeah. the next three, uh, I was not. But, the, I, but listening to them, I just want to thank them, first of all, yes. for their yeah. trust in you guys and, and, and respecting the audience. Breaking news. Breaking times, news. Yeah. You yeah. know, with oh, the, Cameron uh, yeah. talking about putting a state police post in right. Louisville on this show right. turned into two and a half days of news in the Louisville media market. Uh, stations and the Courier Journal picked up. By the way, hello, Joe Sonka <laughs> at the Courier Journal by calling, <laughs> by saying Daniel Cameron made statements on, quote, a podcast. Also, yeah. <laughs> also, welcome to Andy Bashir, who apparently also. Listens to this podcast and responded to he uh, did to people he absolutely did on so. this podcast previously. So but I want to I want to agree with you. Mm-hmm. Thank you to the folks who came in and uh, and I, I look. My goal with these when I thought of it a while back was you know a lot of they're going to get asked issue questions and mm-hmm. you know sign of the the formulaic stuff all the time. I was thinking if we could get them in for an hour and you listen to it, you would have an idea of who they really are, why they are really running, and what kind of a person or what kind of a governor would they be. And I really think all four candidates gave us a window into that. And if I could also suggest to folks, these are not dated interviews in the sense that it's not just yeah. news of the day. Yeah. To your point, Scott, I'm going to find it helpful as I review my own voting plans, helpful to go back and listen to not just the ideas, but how they interacted. Yeah. You know, in terms, you can pretty much predict the way that someone's going to govern. Mm-hmm. You know, by virtue of how they interact and how they handle maybe a surprising question. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I, I really, pets. Yeah, yeah. My, my my biggest takeaway is what a deep bench Kentucky Republicans have. Yes. We got so yeah. much talent. All 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 four of those folks were running for the same office, but you know, up and down the ticket, we've got a lot of great choices. And you know, it's going to be great for the next. Ten years, and they're all young. Yeah. I they're mean, these young, are all yeah. young people. They're going to be around. Have, I, I, yeah. Deep bench. We have an embarrassment of riches. And I've heard that before. And while all that was going on, Sean, uh, I read from the Republican Party of Kentucky a news release about voter registration stats Correct. this week. Big you news. Fill us in on that. Yes. So this is now officially the first statewide election that the Republicans have gone into where we have outpaced Democrats first and foremost. But we're going in with more than fifty. 50,000 uh, Republicans registered than Democrats. Uh, and, Scott, you, you had a really good tweet about this. So it's like, what, 100 and— Since Andy Bashir was inaugurated mm-hmm. in December of 2019, the Republicans have added something like 118,000 new voters, and the Democrats have lost from the voter file 147,000. 40, yep. That is a huge swing. Yep. 
And and as you think about the governor's race this fall and like, well, can can Republicans win? Well, you know, just we lost by what, 5,000 votes right. in Correct. the right. last election. And now you've got 118,000 new Republicans and minus 147,000 Democrats. That doesn't guarantee you anything. But the fundamentals, but the fundamentals of this election are strong for the Republicans. The state is getting redder and redder and redder. And for all the talk about how popular Bashir is, it ain't stopping people from coming to the Republican Party. Let me ask you a question. That I, I can't help but be the former reporter here and ask about a little little circumspect here. The, the, uh, we only hold that against you like he, a whole He chooses lot. not to take a side. Look at his NFL from CBS hat. <laughs> <That's> just, <laughs> it, it, was, it was in the car. But thanks for bringing I that back I just root for a life. good broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do. <laughs> I just want all the teams to have fun. We know, we know. We'll go ahead and ask this your fake news question. Um, so the Kentucky was already conservative before people switched parties how much of a difference does it make that people make the actual decision to go in and change registration well for the purpose of the primary here a lot because you have to be registered in the party to vote in the price of so clothes the, primary so the electorate obviously is changing well there there could be growing there is definitely republicans in the pool who could vote in this primary that were not in the 19, 20, or 22 pool. Like, there right. are definitely Republicans who may be voting in their first primary. So that's one thing. Number two, um, I, I do think it is an indication of someone's heart. Like, if I am going to take the time to switch into the or register into the Republican Party, they are actively making that choice. In light of national trends where you see uh, in the latest Google poll, uh, Google, the latest uh, Gallup polling, <laughs> which you could find on Google, um, like something like nationally, like 40% of Americans mm-hmm. say they're independent and the two parties were in the low 30s. You're just not seeing that in Kentucky. Like people are coming to the Republican Party. So oh, I, I don't for know. the first time, independents, I believe, or make up at least, what, 10% of the electorate in Kentucky? Is yes, that right? but but that that number is like doesn't hold a, like there's no f- candle that can hold a flame to, to what is happening in the Republican Party and the growth that's occurring there. Okay. Like, and, and a lot of people, you know, we do register people to vote even if they don't want to in this motor voter system. And so I think a lot, a lot of people who had no intention of registering in the first place sometimes default. So to you're that. actually a anyway. good reminder of that. Cause I was trying to think about like, well, if you made the point of registering to vote, does that make you more likely to vote? But you're telling me that people are kind of compelled to. Well, yes. I mean, it's easy to register to vote and, and a lot of people get registered and never cast a vote in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's one of the, the motor voter did not actually increase voter turnout. It increased voter registration. The whole theory was if you register people, they'll vote. That's not, that's not actually Well, frankly, true. from, from a, a standpoint of percentage of voter turnout, I would think that actually it would decrease Go it because, because you're going to yeah. increase the lot with people who never intend to vote, like you said before. So that said, where are we right now on this governor's race? Well, look, we only have one public data point. It's the Emerson poll. Have we been on since that came out? I'm not sure no, we have. It, it was no. the night that it was coming out. Okay, so the Emerson poll, which is now a couple of weeks old, had Cameron up over Kraft by six points, 30 to 24. Quarles was in the mid-teens, and everybody else was in single digits. There's not been any other public data, and, and we don't have a ton of public data to compare it to uh, methodology-wise. Anyway, so I – look. I've been around the state. I spoke at a couple of Lincoln Day dinners. I want to give a quick shout out to the Madison County Republican Party, who, by the way, I was the keynote speaker and a member of the school board there, Mr. Rutherford. Brad. Came up to me. Was it Brad or Brandon? Brandon. Yeah. Brandon. Brandon. And, and he loves the podcast and told me personally that on their recent trip to Florida, he forced his wife to listen to us berating you over the <laughs> baseball rules, Joe. He said that it was the funniest thing, and he made her listen to it like three times. He just keeps re- – well, put it, it on repeat. What's his name? <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> so anyway – I just want to apologize to his wife. But I but I, in Madison County, and then I spoke to the Kenton County Spring Fling. Mm-hmm. Thank you to the, to the folks up there. Um, look, I, I shook hands with several hundred Republicans last week. I sensed a lot of fluidity in the race. I sensed a lot of – organizational activity on the ground that you might not know about unless you'd been out into one of these counties. So, look, I think it's I, – I don't know. I think Cameron – I've always believed he was ahead from the beginning. I still think he's ahead. Kraft has spent an amount of money that has definitely moved her, and everywhere I've been, Ryan Quarles has people there organized and doing stuff, and that matters in a low-turnout environment. So, again, it's suspenseful to me. I still believe Daniel Cameron – 
is the biggest celebrity in the race. I still think he's ahead, but boy, it feels like it's a real campaign out there. And we got just a couple of weeks to go, you know, just under three weeks to go. I think we're going to see increased media attention. I, I talked to the New York Times today. They're writing a story about the primary. I said, look, it's celebrity versus resources versus old school. And really the question is, which one's best? And I don't think we know that yet. Is that also perhaps to what extent does voter turnout percentage um, change who might be favored? And the reason I ask this question is, is as follows. Even though I know that Ryan Quarles comes into this conversation with with uh, nowhere near the name recognition and celebrity, as you pointed out, of Daniel mm-hmm. Cameron, and nowhere near the the financial uh, resources as, as Kelly Kraft – from an organizational standpoint and from a on boots on the ground, Scott, you and I were talking to some folks earlier t- uh, today yeah. um, in western Kentucky who really, they, they were just talking about they've seen him and been more aware of him as far as boots on the ground and like local people they know and who they're supporting more than the other two. Yeah. So, But my question is then, and so you just, you just define those three. I guess what I'm thinking is if, in fact, voter turnout is, is as it typically is small – and and does does Ryan then perhaps have a you know have a chance to be able to sneak through if in fact if because his ceiling or I'm sorry his floor is is relatively uh, solid. Well, you have to first believe that that's true, and that's his theory of the case that he has an organization and a base of of farmers and rural county people that have voted for him twice. And they're going to show up no matter what. And that they're regular voters and that they're not out there, you know, on social media going crazy all the time. But these are people who you can count on to vote, who who are civic minded and who believe in his what he's done. Is that, that's what their theory of the case is. And that also these are people who will be rejectful of the negativity at the top of the ticket. So that that's his theory. We'll find out. That's it. That's the shot he's going to shoot. The deficiency is. You know, uh, is that he just lacks the advertising uh, volume that Cameron and Kraft are getting. And so we'll see if that kind of theory, based on purely on organizational heft, can move numbers. It, we don't know yet. That's the biggest change since the last time we talked about this is is the TV advertising. I think during our last conversation, um, Ambassador Kraft was definitely up. I think Daniel was in the process of getting his first ad. And now he's full-blown, and there so is his outside ads, group. There are super hurt. And actually, yeah. if you look at it week to week, Daniel and, and his uh, outside group have actually gotten to, in some places, at least at parity with the Kraft money uh, expenditures. And so, he, But overall, still, the Kraft campaign plus affiliate, I mean, they've run, you know, two Millions. or three to one t- in terms of, of terms of TV advertising volume. It's... I mean, and at the end of this campaign, they will be by far all in at the biggest advertiser. But I will say, having reviewed the media spending over the last few days, the Cameron operation campaign plus affiliate have caught up at the moment. But over overall volume, Kraft is still far ahead. I'm imagining the day after the election or a couple of days after when I'm looking at the county results across the state, if you're looking at it like an electoral map, I bet you're going to see a lot of counties that are the corals wins yeah and it but would, but but it but it is not the electoral college right. exactly i understand but my, yeah. my, my point being you're is, raising a very important issue here <laughs> yeah. but go ahead yeah. no no yeah. this is yes, very important yes, yes. we should okay. talk about this uh my, my my point being is is that i i think sometimes for folks and i do a lot of traveling across all the state and a lot of rural counties but i think we sometimes lose sight of the fact that because fayette and jefferson counties are are predominantly Democrat. We lose sight of the fact that the the big cache of Republican voters are also in those counties and in the surrounding suburbs yes. of counties. In fact, if you look at it by media market, the Louisville market, which contains Jefferson plus you know Bullet, Shelby, Hart, and all these around, and you look at the Lexington market, Fayette and surrounding. If you combine them, that that's upwards of two thirds. Or maybe, depending on how turnout goes, seventy percent of the votes that will be cast in two media markets. Yeah, right. The next closest media market is probably in the. It, well, there are no other media markets double digits. Everything else is in the single digits, and some of them are very, very low. And so, if you're Ryan Quarles, you could have a great organization in roughly ninety of the hundred and twenty counties, right. and you could still get beat because the top thirty counties make up eighty percent of the votes. And so, 
you see a lot of sorry, excuse me, you see a lot of candidates spending a lot of time in the small rural counties. The volume of voters in Ballard County is just not the same as in Bullitt, you know, or or Jefferson or Oldham or Fayette or Scott. And so um, it's not the Electoral College. It's sometimes easy for campaigns to slip into that mindset. I want to win this county. No, what you're trying to do is win the most votes. Mm-hmm. And where are those votes? As you just said, Jefferson, Fayette, and about 20 or 30 of the counties make up most of the votes. So with all that said, uh, that's the update on the Kentucky <coughs> governor's race Republican primary. We also saw as far as, I don't know if we've, if we've talked since the um, financial reports came in, Mm. Uh, for the candidates. I mean, just to bear in mind, we'll, we'll look down the path later on, of course, after the primary, but you know, Andy Bashir, I think, has upwards of, I'm yep. thinking of like $7 million that right in the bank. He's in a great spot because he has no legitimate primary and is not having to spend much money, and the Republicans are all going to be at zero balance at the end of the primary. And uh, and so it's just part of the power of incumbency, no doubt. Any other comments, Kevin, Sean, Jared? I, I'll just add very quickly, all, all of the candidates, thank you again. And they all stayed afterwards, too. Did you, did just, you shave, by the way? Uh, yes, yeah, I'm back. I to, feel like so for I'm months. Sorry, I got a haircut, too. Yes, I, I, something was different about it. And for like months, I haven't been able to see your face. Yeah, so I, I shaved seems down, lighter. I went back to the stubble, and I got a haircut. I'm looking. So and you, more importantly, did you finally shower? I think. Uh, <laughs> no, not yet. So that's when you, a, that's a once I've never, a, So you actually have one of those razors then? Like, So you legitimately try to shave, but like, like the Yasser, the Yasser Arafat look? The I'm, sort I'm, of like, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, I don't know that that's my inspiration. You took it from Ballard County. County to Yasser Arafat. <laughs> you, you just asked if someone like quote legitimately shaves. <laughs> like, what is a legitimate as opposed well, he, to illegitimate? Well, he illegitimate shave. Like, he still has face. He still has yeah. facial like, so, hair. So you, you make the effort to shave, but then you still have stubble. Yes, purposefully. That, yes, even so, yes. you're finished shaving and still you're, you have stubble. It makes yeah. you look like that is one, an illegitimate shave. Just to be clear about what we're it's an illegitimate shave. It yeah. makes you look like 20 years younger. I'll take that. I mean, you, when I walked in here tonight, I was like, who is Sean's intern? What? This is amazing. So like, uh, my wife always says it makes me look fast. Like when I go like this. <laughs> like, you're, like you're going to sprint yeah, around. or something like hey, that. Hey, hey, that, that, that is sus. <laughs> That's nope. a little too young for no me. No cap. <laughs> I mean, anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt your point. I just wanted to point out that you no, made an attempt had to, to do some and... maintenance on your own physical appearance. So congratulations. I, I, I fall into this trap too of, of uh, shaving. Uh, no, but I I like think I look good, and then the next day I look homeless, and I'm like, oh no, now I gotta like get in there. Oh, you look homeless up, right so. now. Don't worry about no, it. No, he doesn't. He looks. Leave this man alone. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. I don't even remember. I just thank you again to the candidates. <laughs> thank oh, you to everybody. All, um, they uh, every single one of them hung out for yeah. half an hour afterwards, and this is such a cliche thing, but. They all feel like regular people that you'd want to get a beer with, and were very open and honest. I think during the conversations and afterwards, uh, and so which, I, by I, the way, is a marked departure from what the Republican Party did in 2019. But go on, <laughs> <laughs> I and, mean, honestly, and I, I'll say you this. didn't want to grab a beer with Robert <laughs> Goforth. <laughs> no, that's not, not what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and. <laughs> You know, there's there's obviously still fractions within the party, but all of them are true conservatives. They embrace those. Yeah, they, right. they have no hesitation about being, you know, embracing school choice, getting the state to a zero uh, percent income tax. And which, they were excited uh, to talk about it and wanted other people to get on which the train. Five six years ago, you couldn't find right. in sort of like yeah. across, you know, as a unanimous position. And so I, I appreciate all of them just chatting, talking through all those things. So. I did pick up on a few subtle differences of approach. Um, you know, uh, some of them, like Kelly Craft, was totally against marijuana in all forms. She thought it was wrong. But Ryan Quarles came out for medical marijuana. They all were against recreational, and they all made that point. But there were some little subtle differences in their approach on certain little issues. But 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 on the rock solid Republican conservative yeah. stuff that we need, all are going to reduce the income tax rate down to zero. All are for school choice. All are for getting the government bureaucracy yeah. under control. Uh, and promoting Kentucky, and uh, and and so I was heartened, like you said, Kevin, by uh, how articulate they were, how good they were, and and how nice they are, and I and I think they are going to all they're all eminently more likable than what we did in 2019, and and when you combine that with the voter registration and the overall uh, Republican environment here, I think the Republicans have a great chance to win. I don't think it's a guarantee, and I think Andy Bashir's got a lot of the advantages of of incumbency in this era, but. It's a real race in Kentucky. Yeah, and 
present a very stark difference to Andy Bashir, right? Yes. Like, it, yeah. you know, it's like Andy Bashir markets himself as this kind of like moderate, just yeah, kind of go along. But, I mean, shucks kind of they guy. talk about the issues that Andy Bashir doesn't want to talk about. They have solutions and policies for the issues he doesn't want to talk about. They they are they present a stark difference for the future of the state. And they are not have. going to surround themselves with the absolute liberal lunatics mm-hmm. that Andy Bashir has done. Or sycophants that it, are going to tell them whatever they want to hear. Yeah, I mean, it it's 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 it is going to be a different government and a different approach and uh and <clears throat> look, the generic environment in Kentucky is They'd rather have Republicans. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I'm, we'll see what happens. I think it's, it's an exciting race. Nothing is foreordained, uh, but certainly uh, the Republican Party has put a good foot forward here in this primary with the quality of the candidates. And, and thank you all again for coming in. You mentioned, Jared, the, uh, the, the tax uh, cuts, which are continuing to be triggered by the economic success and some policies the last several years. And uh, when Grover Norquist was here mm. the other day, just want to give a shout out to him that he, he was getting some texts as we were recording the podcast with some very positive uh, notes about uh, about the debt limit vote, yeah. which happened then uh, on Wednesday. And what, what it was a two-vote margin that uh, Kevin yeah. McCarthy was able to get that done. The speaker, by the way, needs big kudos. Remember when he got elected speaker and everybody on TV, well, he's so weak, he'll never be able to get anything done. You know, and and the prediction was when we finally get to the debt limit, it's all going to fall apart and the conservatives are going to split. But I tell you what, once again, Kevin McCarthy has proved them wrong. He is a much stronger speaker than anyone predicted he was going to be. And he and his team and Tom Emmer and the deputies on this thing and his leadership squad, they did a terrific job getting this across. I don't know, by the way, I don't know where this is going to end. And I think Mitch McConnell has said correctly, whatever happens here, Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden have to reach an agreement because there's nothing the Senate would produce at 60 votes that could pass the House. So whatever happens has to be blessed by Biden and McCarthy first for their for it to become a law. McCarthy has done the responsible thing. He's actually started a conversation and a negotiation, something Biden won't do. Mm-hmm. He won't even meet with Kevin McCarthy right now. And so I think Biden uh, has made a mistake, and I think McCarthy has given the Republicans with this win on the debt limit and on this vote a real good bargaining hand here as they try to, you know, get the budget and the spending under control. Yeah. Everybody who's not giving Kevin McCarthy the credit needs to check themselves because for years when Nancy Pelosi was in these positions and she would win a vote by just one or two, a tight margin, she was the master legislator. Oh, she'd get 27 magazine covers. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Kevin McCarthy got it done in the House of Majority Matters. He delivered a majority in the strongest conservative product out there. All right, he's going to take it into the White House. All right, Vanity Fair. All right, Vogue. All right, put Kevin McCarthy on the cover. Kevin McCarthy needs all the covers and all the fancy shoots. Let's see it. What's what's the peak cover for conservatives? Like cigar aficionado or something like that. Chickens, chickens. I think it it might be Field and Stream or um, let's see. I don't know, Sports Illustrated, I don't know. To have a nice caricature of yourself in the National Review, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yeah. But, I mean, here's the, here's the thing, is that, like, the, this whole entire time, the, the Democrats and Joe Biden have been out there saying, you know, the Republicans aren't going to do this. They're not going to increase the debt limit. They're not going to do it. Well, guess what? The Republicans have done it. They've increased the debt limit. And now the question is, are the Democrats going to join the Republicans in doing the responsible thing and make sure that the country doesn't default on, on the debt? And it ain't like Joe Biden is all that popular or that his ideas or policies are all that popular or that people trust him necessarily to do the right thing. So I think by jumping out there with a plan, that's the thing. Biden for months said, oh, they have no plan. They have no plan. No, they have a plan and it passed. You have no plan and you apparently have no interest in discussing it. The government's divided and that means something. That means something. Well, the the plan is though from the Democrat side, and Chuck Schumer has already responded to the vote in the House by saying it's pretty much DOA. You know, that's it's it's going to be you know the, you you can't hold our priorities hostage. You know, by demanding that we change our spending habits in the future. Okay, right? fine. It's DOA. That means Joe Biden has to call Kevin McCarthy and come up with something that's not DOA. And my point is, McCarthy has put forward a very reasonable 
opening bid in a negotiation. And I think the American people expect the Democrats to not be intransigent. They voted for divided government, which means the two sides are supposed to talk. I have to, you know, you were joking about Vanity Fair or actually anybody getting a fair shake here after what happened with the vote and Kevin McCarthy's success, which we can all agree yeah. it's, a, it's a success. But that said, how much, to what degree does uh, this press coverage of this influence what actually happens next? Because I wouldn't expect there to be much fair coverage of this. For the most part, it will be positioned. Yeah, I haven't seen all the coverage yet because it just happened, and 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 uh, haven't I haven't had the TV on or the uh, the internet open since then. But the uh, the question is, yes, the internet open. Just <laughs> 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 plug in a dial up, hang up the phone, flip up, open the internet. <laughs> 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 Jared, where's the internet switch? Uh, we keep it in the, yeah. the closet over there. Okay. Go get the internet for Joe. Yeah. My point being, I haven't, I haven't read any articles. We're waiting for it. But thank you, Sean. Do you expect there to be what? And to what extent does the coverage of this, because it's all going to be positioned, I have to assume, yeah. as the Republicans are trying to hold the country hostage with this, with this vote. Tonight. Oh, yes. Yeah. The cuts amount to. Murder. You know, people will die. The country will not survive. Immediately. Here's the deal, Jack. The American people believe and understand that we do have a spending problem, that we do spend too much, that we have spent too much, and they feel it every day because of the inflation they have lived through. So the way the media positions it, I agree with you. I'm just not sure the American people agree with that. I mean, hardcore Democrats certainly the do. The only plan that's on the table right now is the Republican plan that passed Half of Congress, one of the three main bodies that's in charge of this. House, yeah. And by the way, Chuck Schumer whining and complaining. He can't pass anything. He can't pass nothing. And so, again, McConnell's been right about this from the beginning. It's McCarthy and Biden. McCarthy's put the Republican cards on the table. And I'll tell you something else I've heard from Washington. That Mitch McConnell has been uh, integral in counseling uh, Republicans up there to stand with and behind Kevin McCarthy as he leads the party. Down this road, and I, I got to tell you, I largely, I've not seen any right. Republicans out there. Democrats uh, have caved, flanking uh, on him. So I think there is, I think the party is unified here behind McCarthy because that he's the leader on this issue, and he's, I think he's put Biden on the back foot right here. I really do. Speaking of Biden and the internets, uh, I had the, the YouTube's on the other day to be able to watch the president's reelection launch. A submarine. <laughs> freedom. <laughs> Sorry. Personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. Not as compelling as William Wallace. Nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be a rhetoric. Enough. Enough. Right, so enough. He says, I've seen enough. Enough. The thing about this, um, this Free, release. What does here. that even mean to him? I mean, he could have said anything, he could have said, Tapioca. <laughs> I mean, he could have, like, well, mashed. That, that was actually the first draft. They, they went back and reshot. What I find find striking is that for someone who ran as a bridge candidate, who ran as a unifying candidate, called who, himself a transitional right figure. bridge. Well, all that, these things that there. means different but, things these days. And you would think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Joe, all the way to the yeah. end of your point. I'm, yeah. I'm there. For someone who was trying to unify the country, at least on you know in in, in speeches here, it was one of the more divisive. Of course, and it was. I mean, frankly, it was it was reminiscent of Trump's inaugural address. I mean, it was like it was mega extremists are lining up to take on these bedrock freedoms. That's a quote. Yeah, from I mean, you know, cutting Social Security, a lie yeah. that you've paid for for your entire life, while cutting taxes for the very wealthy, a lie. Di- a lie. You know, I'm saying, dictating what healthcare decisions women can make, banning books, telling which is a lie. By the way, th- their definition of quote very wealthy is anyone with a job, <laughs> very wealthy. And perhaps the biggest lie at the end, all while making it more difficult for you to be able to vote. This is a Jim Crow. I'm saying is a lie. so. Here we go. It divisive, but, but this is divisive. It truly is. What was Donald Trump's speech again? At American the, Carnage. Yeah, Ameri- sorry. This is American American Carnage. Yeah, look, but this is the exact. This is the this is the other side of the right. same coin, and he's running for re-election. NBC News 
Sunday morning. Yes. 70% in their survey of the American people do not want Joe Biden to run for re-election, and 51% of Democrats do not want him to run for re-election. This is all they got. They got this is all they got. They cannot run on him. They fear. have to they have to run on fear and dishonesty. And Joe Biden has been one of the most dishonest MFers in Washington, DC for 50 years. Remember, this is the guy who told us Mitt Romney, quote, was going to put black people back in chains. He has been hyperbolic, he has been dishonest, he has been hyperpartisan, and he has always tried to wrap it in this, oh, you know, I'm just a I'm just a bipartisan moderate deal maker. Baloney. He is an angry, divisive old man who nobody wants to see run a re-election campaign. And you're going to get a year and a half of this garbage. So buckle up. It's going to be nasty. And the American people should reject it. And it's so interesting that it came out in this long-form video. They couldn't put him in front of a TV camera to talk about it. Th- he's halfway back to the basement from 2020 again. Yeah, I, the New York Times had a piece uh, out this morning that was basically like, Biden's started his re-election campaign. Don't expect to see him. Like, <laughs> today, today yeah. he had this joint press conference with the, the president of South Korea. And it was the photos of the, the card that the, the president had while he was taking questions. Blown-up photos of the journalists that he was supposed to call on with the questions they were going to ask. Yeah. They were going to ask. What? Did you see this? What? Pre- I, what? I, I, I had the internet, seen the internet today. <laughs> you had something, the internet on. This right. is not Pre- democracy. <laughs> submitted. Wait, wait, wait. The, the reporter submitted from the LA Times. No. Shojo. He was holding a card. Actual journalist. He was holding a card in his hand Jared that Turn- said, said question one, LA Times with the name of the journalist, and then the substance of the question said, question one is going to be about this. And it had yes. like a full blown for the president paragraph. Of the it was on a card at he a news that he was holding. Holding. We're showing Joe the photo right Hold now. Hold on, Jared just turned on Earthlink and or America Online. <laughs> Do you see this, Joe? Nobody answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is what the yes. president of the United States. They actually have it spelled out as far as the question. Yes. Why are you squaring your priorities? Correct. That is who's, so. Who, who's that? So worse again, for? we we need this. Joe Biden in the basement campaign that happened in 2020 has nothing on what we're about to see here because this right here is a total, total farce for the way that they are treating Democrats. I gotta tell you something. This is this is bad. This is actually a scandal. It's bad. Yeah. I mean, I I, you want to talk about Donna Brazile with debate questions? This is not this is not a political debate. This is someone who is is the sitting president of the United States that hasn't had a press conference for a longer period of time since anyone other than Reagan and Nixon and is walking up to the podium and is having the questions pre-written and handed to them, it is a national disgrace that this man is president of the United States. At the same, I have to tell you, though, why are the journalists cooperating? Because they get, oh, they get asked a question. Why is it? I wonder why they swim in this fishbowl ecosystem that they just, you know, <laughs> why? live in. I, well, here's the deal. Sean pointed it out. He won't have a press conference. And what I assume is happening is the White House is saying, here's the deal. Your only access to the president of the United States will be under these circumstances. And the White House has said, you either play by our rules or you don't do anything. You know, there's a phrase for this. It's called pay to play. How does that apply? I mean, it's, it's, if you want if, if you, if you to participate okay. in the system. Win in room. I mean, if you want to participate, if you want to actually, you got to give us, it, it is total pay to play. What happens right. in Vegas. You're going to have coverage. You're saying you're You dude. want coverage. You're saying basically when pigs fly, yeah. sir. When pigs fly. <laughs> what you're saying is, is you're cashing in your legitimacy. Fool your me once. Reporter Correct. For the sake of yes. access oh, to. Oh, you agree with Sean? Well, this is a new one for the show. You and Sean are aligned. Now. This is the only time this this is the only time this Venn diagram has ever appeared. But I know Kamala loves those. Oh, well, Kamala. Speaking of part of. By the way, did you all read from the media? No, I don't have the interwebs. <laughs> did anyone tell you, Joe, that part of the this was all in the the reporting of the the launch of the campaign was that the White House had decided that Kamala Harris. Was com- was a complete drag on the ticket, and so that part of the re-election effort, they have ordered one of their advisors, Anita Dunn, has ordered whatever that everyone <laughs> to rehabilitate and rebrand Kamala Harris so that she is not such a drag on Joe Biden. Jared, can we check in on how that effort is going with her latest speech? Go ahead. 
I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present, and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past, but the future. <laughs> this is your I'm buddy. She's, who this like, is sorry. the vice president of the United She's States. at a yeah. podium, presumably with a teleprompter. Look, let me tell wait, you something. If wait. they're giving Joe Biden the questions, they, she obviously has been handed a text to read. Somebody wrote this down no. on a piece of paper. That was not I don't, I don't understand why they're concerned about her being a drag on the ticket, because don't they love drag now? Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> John Southern, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, you know Kevin made a joke. On which joke did you make the other day? Uh, Ryan Corals, Commissioner yes. of Agriculture, oh, said uh... that Kentucky uh, grows more chia. And, and you I said, said like chia pets for the chia pets. I've been getting texts. Lots, lots of people. So like Kevin that. made a joke. Sean made a joke. Good Kevin, job. Kevin got four texts. <laughs> One was from you. <laughs> so Kevin made a joke. Sean made a joke. People laughed at me. Hey, yes, but I didn't tell. A joke I don't want to just skip over the moment with Joe yes. and I had where we were oh, we were right, together on right something. Right. We should acknowledge that. But can you point. imagine like like we've got to? She is a huge drag. So let's fix it here. Go out and give this speech, and that is what they came up with today. Okay. It's better than hiring child actors from Canada. That was their last uh, rehabilitate her image. That is at, true. At NASA. Here's the question for you. Okay, right? That was a NASA yeah. walkthrough. That's why I brought I that just up. love space. <laughs> yeah. Venn, di- Venn diagrams, space. It's the buses. stuff that's buses. Buses. Right. buses, electric buses. buses. So, Scott, yeah. we yes. know from that NBC News poll, and it's consistent with other polls we've seen before. Yes. People not wanting Joe Biden to run again and very concerned about his age. So the, the natural question to ask, then, if you're concerned about a president's competency and or ability to continue in office is who is the vice president. Yes. So to what extent is Kamala Harris, whether it's a drag or an asset or anything else, to what extent, how important is it? Okay, take off your hat you're on here and you're actually the political advisor in the White House. What would you be doing? (laughs) Uh, I would be telling these people, look, we have serious structural problems. I mean, Joe Biden's age which they can't do anything about. They can lie about everything else, but they can't lie about this. And they will, by the way. By definition means that Kamala Harris is probably going to be, this will be the, I mean, will this be the biggest issue a vice president has ever been in a presidential campaign? Probably. I mean, we typically say they don't matter all that much or they matter very little. But in this campaign, she might be the central question because he'll be 86, there are a lot of people out there who fundamentally believe he's not up to it today, but if he were to win, could he complete a term when you're 86 years old? So she may be, if the Republicans are smart, I think they will make her a central issue because she will absolutely be a boat anchor on these Democrats, and she will wilt. She is not up to this. Remember when she ran? She totally wilted in a Democrat pri- In a general election, she will wilt. She can't even do this right now at a podium when no one... When, the, when no pressure is on, she will wilt. So I think it's a huge issue. It wouldn't be. If she were a complete idiot and Joe Biden were 55 years old, eh, whatever. He's 86 at the end of the next term. This is a massive problem for them. Kareem right. Jean-Pierre got the question at the podium today. They said, will the president complete his two terms? And she said, I can't answer that. She said, I'm not going to get out in front Are of any serious? announcement. She's, yes. She said, I'm not going to get out in front of the president anything that he might announce. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Pray tell? Well, that would be the bridge candidate if he's planning I mean, on stepping down a year the way, into the next term. He talk has, about a rickety old bridge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a piece in Axios today, too. Like, this is... Like, I think the Trump team knows this, right? Yes. Like, it's not some secret that, like, she's tucked away and, like, on the last two weeks of the election, they're going to be like, oh, Kamala, let's go after her. Like, this could be right out the gate, a big part of the plan of the Trump team or whoever the nominee is for the Republicans. So they... It's a real I mean, issue. Yeah. The, the, you know, who we elect as the president here, if 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 you're considering Joe Biden... You, you're, you not have, listen, you're not listening to this program. You have, but, <laughs> but, but any voter has to... I don't know if that's true, by the way. Any voter has to be well. We know Bashir's listening, yeah. and he's definitely considering Joe Biden. But 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 any <laughs> voter has is, is got to legitimately say, 
I there is a reasonable expectation that Joe Biden either won't finish a term or may not be up to mentally finishing a term. And therefore, I have to focus on the vice president. I normally don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. You ha- it, it is the key question here. You don't expect Joe Biden to be vigorous at 86 and with it because he ain't vigorous at now and with it. Projected to the future, it massive problem. But I did, by the way, I do think it's funny. You said, what would you be doing if you worked in the White House? Literally, one of their advisors was like, well, I order everyone to fix her image. Go ahead and do that. Is Joe, it done yet? <laughs> Joe, I mean, yes. Dan Quell misspelling the word potato. I remember that. Was like a national crisis. It was. He's looking at me because I remember this. Yes. I've, I've read about this. Go on, Sean. Yes. But so, like, how is this, like, you know, just... How is this not like a legitimate question if it was a question like, you know, 30 years ago? Well, because where we are in time <laughs> is during the context it's of the contextualized. Time, we need to contextualize right. where we are from between the past and the here present. Now, here now and forever. It, that, when, her, like by a, the way, her comment reminded me of the – I love the movie Spaceballs where they're all looking at the radar and he's like, when is this? This is now. <laughs> that was then. This is now. This what is, you're seeing is now. This is the difference between us is you went with Spaceballs and I was like, it sounds like a T.S. Eliot poem. <laughs> there you have it. I, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> the Great Divide. <laughs> But obviously, the, the the big question, the big difference, as Scott pointed out, is that the relative age of the president at the top of the ticket versus the you know with Dan Quayle and George H. W. Bush at the time and Joe I, Biden. And I Kamala saw Harris. I saw something on the internet today. There was a Time magazine cover in 1996 Six. that said, and Bob Dole was on the cover. And the question on the cover was, "Is Bob Dole too old to be president?" The would be GOP frontrunner. He was 72 years old, <laughs> 72. And in the mid nineties, this was a massive problem for Bob Dole. Joe Biden will be 86 and that's what we have to rely on. Unreal. Uh, last thing on the, on the Kamala thing too. Th- this is, this is their own doing right. Like this, they went all in on her and uh, they didn't have to, they could have picked somebody else, but they, they sort of wanted, you know, they wanted to have a woman. They wanted to, you know, uh, have a woman who was African-American, had a, you know, checked a diversity box. They, they've built this, you know, house that they're in now. And so I have no sympathy for Joe Biden, who's probably looks around all the time. It's like, man, why didn't I just pick like Pete or, you know, Mayor Pete or, you know, one of the I'm other. I'm sorry. Mo- he, he might be guys. even worse. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. He hasn't done. I mean, here's the thing. We have he some racist blaming. intersections. Yeah. Well, he, but, <laughs> here, but, here, but, here, but, but, but look. They didn't put any thought into governing. Mm-hmm. Every yes. every yeah. every thought was put into politics, and even that's blown up in their face because yeah. people. She's the lowest rated VP ever. Yeah. So it was a raw, rough decision all the way around. Yeah, and now and so you know they 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 have to deal with it now. So good luck. Pre-written questions on cue cards for the president, word salads from the vice president, and a sort of an epidemic of of forgetfulness by people being asked about the. Uh, COVID shutdowns of schools, from Anthony Fauci to Randy Weingarten. Uh, I'm sorry, Congressman Raskin. I'm just, we spent every day from February on trying to get schools open. We knew that remote education was not a substitute for opening schools, but we also knew that people had to be safe. And maybe it's because I live in New York City, I live near a hospital. Every other minute there was a ambulance. There was terror. Our members were terrified, others were terrified. And what we were simply looking for was clear scientific guidance. And when we couldn't get it, we did it ourselves and we worked with doctors and we worked with others and we just tried to get it out there. Okay, now it. you're all- This is Randy Weingarten the head of the National Teachers Union, and she might be the biggest lying, devious, hack gaslighter in American politics. Under no, at no time, did the teachers union try to get the schools open. In fact, they worked overtime to keep them closed, and they'd be closed today if she had her way. I'm just a little curious (laughs) about the fact that she didn't trust Governor Andrew Cuomo. Hmm. Or Dr. Fauci. Yeah. She threw him under the the bus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She said, we couldn't get good guidance from these people. 
That's what she said, right? Mm-hmm. That's what she said. She also what? said, I believe, during this hearing, and I don't know if it's one of the clips or not, that, that she... Uh, oh, we she, got, we got she, more. She couldn't remember. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this kind of memory thing's like, yeah, I'm the, 65. It, I, don't, I don't quite remember The Republicans exactly asked her great questions today. What else we got on this one? She, this is a disgrace. If you're a parent and you've got a kid, listen to this garbage. So one of these clips, too, and we have harped on this a lot, is they coordinated with the CDC. So the CDC was at times maybe ready to open schools, and they would come and be like, no. Yeah, well, maybe let's get a couple more trillion dollars. and New air ventilation of, systems. And, uh... and so here's an interesting revelation around that. Not talk to representatives of the government. Do you have a direct number to to Director Walensky? Do I have Director Walensky's direct number? Yes. Yes, I have Director Walensky's direct number. Well, hopefully... Why Why is the head of the CDC considering anything that a partisan activist has to say why aren't they listening to scientists why are they listening to partisan actors so wait wait. so she's this the head of the national teachers union and she's calling up she has a direct line to the cdc about the head of the cdc yes i don't understand that i don't either and guess what no parent does whose kids are now woefully behind because of what Randy Weingarten did to the kids. She also complained, oh, kids are just too reliant on their screens. It's so hard to, like, make them focus on things. She's the one that put your kids on Zoom for seven hours a day. Unbelievable. The, the absolute gall of these people. By the way, this does follow Anthony Fauci also saying, <laughs> I never said anything about shutting schools down. Oh, 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 he he did a big interview in the New York. There's a whole piece. All, all of a sudden, these people are trying to rehabilitate themselves and rewrite American history. We will not forget. So that's, that's the question. And, and frankly, when this podcast first started, that was some of the questions that we had, is that by the time 2023 governor's race, 2024 presidential race comes around, will so much time have passed between the shutdowns when in time? The time that we're in contextualizing <laughs> now or now. the future time that we will contextualize and think about the previous time? Here, now, and always. Do, will, <laughs> Scott, will voters still care I, look, in this fall and next fall? I think they will. Is it the determinative issue? I don't know. But I, they're betting on people just having amnesia about what happened here. There's no mystery. Here's the one area, if I could, Kevin, that, and that, that people will not forget. It's one thing about inconveniences or about wiping down your groceries with whatever and running out of toilet paper and all did, the other. Did, did, any, did you all ever wipe down your groceries? I did. Oh, I know. Yeah. I saw you do it once. That's why I asked. Yeah. I, I never did I was this. told to. By Dr. Fauci? By Dr. Fauci? By my wife. I do, oh, no. I do, I do right remember. under the bus. I do remember that there was a time when I, when I was in state government that when uh, we said that this – pandemic had gone on for a while and that we had read some some articles about the science about masks and things that we were going to lift the mask mandate at the department of agriculture uh that andy Bashir then refused to deliver the mail to the department of agriculture he did because it was unsafe <laughs> so for his employees to bring the mail wait whoa, whoa 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 isn't it like a federal crime to, to steal the mail? the mail so they would they would they would show up to the department of agriculture that, and put the, put the mail in a big box and then leave it like it was some sort of radioactive, radioactive mail. You, you device. You know what's amazing like is during, during the 2020 election, it was Democrats claiming that Trump was stealing all the blue mail. By. It turns right. out it was Andy Bashir <laughs> who was stealing the mail. turns out it was a year later. <laughs> so, <laughs> man, that's a, that is fantastic. He wouldn't deliver the mail. No, we, we got a, a strongly worded letter. <laughs> Well, how did you get the letter? <laughs> it was it, it emailed. It was emailed as Andy a PDF. Andy Bashir had a had a four hundred foot pole constructed with a clamp on the end, and it, he, it, just, it, he, it, he reached it the down letter, the hall. The letter had a, had a digital signature, of course, because he couldn't sign it with a pen. <laughs> oh my gosh! So my point was, we remember all that stuff. Yeah, or we maybe we forgot that stuff. But the one thing we can't forget, I was just talking to the head of a local school. And he was talking about test scores, mm. oh. and and he was talking about the the scores of the incoming freshmen. Just saying, and I was thinking, are we on the right track now? Are things kind of rebounding? He said, Oh no, no. He said, This is it's and worse. My point I, being is, if you're a parent, and if you're going through this, if you're a teacher, if you're a student, if you're anyone paying attention, this is something which is tragically oh. a reminder every single day. I think you you know that it's affecting people at the ballot box because. 
every one of the Republican gubernatorial candidates we had in here talked about education. When are Republicans ever wanting to talk about education? It's not traditionally our issue. So here's but the they quick, put yeah. it out front at, at their platforms. Grover uh, talked about school choice. It seemed like you guys were talking about that more than taxes. Mm. I, I will say, too, and this is this is the frustrating thing about the Fauci, like New York Times piece, is him being like, well, we didn't really know. We didn't know who we could convince. We didn't know who we were reaching. We were still trying to figure things out. It's like, yeah, dude, we knew that at the time. We erred on the side of freedom. You guys erred on the side of lockdowns. Like, it's crazy that they now look back and they're like, gee, we didn't really know what was going on. You know what, it's like, though? Yeah, so we didn't. <laughs> they, but here's the thing. I'll bleep that out in post. <laughs> you know, don't do that. Because I'm going to give you some latitude because you're so freshly shorn. I can tell. You're just like a ball just of feeling, energy. Feeling I'm fresh. Back. Actually, I'm back, baby. Uh, you look fast. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, but here's the thing about no what, cap. Here's the thing about what 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 they're saying on. We didn't. They did know. We knew early on. Yes. Yeah. About schools not being pr- big COVID yeah. uh, dispensers. We knew early on that kids were not as susceptible to it. We knew early on that the masks, the efficacy of it was not real, and yet they chose to ignore it most on the schools because of Randy mm-hmm. Weingarten. And on the mask is because they decided they needed their own MAGA hat, so they made one. That's I, what happened. Didn't didn't she say something today about? I don't know if you have the clip, Jared. Of about she's sixty five years old, so it's hard for her to remember things. And by, by the hell, Joe? Least, at least Biden? she's running that's, that's our country. <laughs> How old is at least Joe, she's Biden? Joe Biden's actual running? Date. Do you have that? I can't believe she said that. Well, I'm so well, old, while, I can't remember. While you look that up, my question is: Do you have it now? Yes. Yeah. All right, go for it. Listen to this. I, I understand that. What, but, but let me, when, when was the first time you engaged with CDC in any way, shape, or form directly? The first time the, yeah. was when they asked us to do the Zoom. I think the first time. Look, I'm 65 years old. I don't remember me everything too. anymore. I'm sorry. Can you imagine? I just don't know. I understand. Give honest testimony at a congressional committee and looking at these people and saying, well, I'm 65. I don't know. I have a question. How, how, how would you not think that was a question they would ask? How would you not look that up yeah. beforehand but and have it written be staffed down? properly? I mean, you'd think the questions would be written not with pictures. <laughs> <laughs> to be like, excuse me, one say, let me consult with my counsel. Excuse me, have you reflected the record here? Okay, it was this day. Oh, it was about this time. Actually, it was between the past and the present <laughs> when you put it into context. Oh, the Kamala Harris defense would have been great. Yes. The arrogance, by the way, these people think you're stupid. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If you're within the sound of our voice, voices, they think you're stupid. They think she thinks you're an idiot. American people, American parents, this monster thinks you're an idiot. And that's how arrogant she is about it, to sit in front after having been sworn in to give testimony at Congress. That's the best they could do. Screw that. Lest we forget, too, Andy Bashir and Jason Glass, his de facto running mate, did very similar things. They they bullied the schools that wanted to open a little bit earlier than they preferred. Bullied. They bullied them and threatened them that they would come after them with you know closures and and firings and things like that. And so it it leaked down to the states too. Right, Randy is is the kind of face of this, but you can trot Jason Glass from that same time out and find a lot of the same same stuff. It was only after the Republicans went in in Kentucky and created the model called test to stay mm-hmm. you all remember this yeah. to keep kids in school that then became a national model for keeping kids in school guess who berated the republicans and local school officials for coming i wonder up with that? i wonder can we get multiple a multiple choice yeah here? i'll give you a multiple choice <laughs> okay. i bet you can just guess just a jason glass correct and b andy Bashir. correct or c all of the all above, above. <laughs> man flying colors yes so here's the question electorally uh, it seems in the past that the teachers were a voting block that have been associated with uh, Democrats. Mm-hmm. I would think that if you look at the actual the the people who actually are in the trenches of education uh, all across the country, including here in Kentucky, the teachers would might think differently this time around and realize that they don't have to necessarily. In other words, who who in fact had their back uh, throughout this situation. Uh, Versus perhaps what they traditionally would vote for. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think some teachers uh, probably think, well, look, I, I think a lot of them think they've been made to do things they didn't want to do. Or they've been made to feel uncomfortable about <clears throat> certain issues. Or they probably have been made to feel uncomfortable about having certain political opinions. I mean, people aren't monolithic. 
Just because you're a teacher doesn't mean you have to have certain political opinions. But I'll tell you what, people like Randy Weingarten are the kinds of enforcers that would try to cow people into <clears throat> falling in line or getting decapitated. Or people like Jason Glass telling you to, you better find another I job. Don't, yes. I don't know. She seems pretty open-minded. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, the older she gets and the more forgetful she is, she can't remember how nasty and partisan she was So, and at that moment in time. So many things <laughs> happened this week that we're talking about here, but the one thing that I want to uh, uh, end on here, Scott, uh, I think you, you've you met both these guys and, and know one of them better than uh, another. You've met Tucker Carlson, haven't you? Or maybe yes. You in fact, during the 2016 election, when he was still, I believe he was the co-host of Fox and Friends Weekend at that time, and I was on that show a fair amount, and we spent some time together, and I had met him before, but yeah. Right. And of course, you know Don Lemon really well, uh, you after know, your, you know, several years at CNN I've been on television with Don hundreds of times. So what's your take on this 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 earthquake in uh, in, in cable news this well, past week? I, I, it was Not cable news, cable talk. Yeah, it, it was an earthquake. Uh, I mean, these are two of the most recognizable guys. I mean, Tucker Carlson's the most watched thing in cable mm-hmm. politics, cable news. And uh, and for, I mean, it was stunning. Now, I, I read in the Wall Street Journal, by the way, I don't know anything. Like, I'm I'm on it, but I don't, I'm not on this business. Oh, anymore. come on now. You're, you're within the hallways Joe, there. I am 45 years old. I can't remember <laughs> half the things I know. Uh, <laughs> I, but, but I did read that, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal, that Fox was saying to people, like, listen, even though... It had huge viewership. We were having trouble with revenue because we couldn't get certain kinds of advertisers. So that that was, I think, one issue. And then there my were, pillow was one that they actually they could get, but the, other than that, it was <laughs> yeah, only the one. You can only run so many and sell so many of my pillows. I guess <laughs> my pillow two now. You should yeah. go look it up. Uh, but I think that might. But then I had also read that some revelations inside the company that were as a result of the Dominion discovery came to light, and then. You know, so there's a lot of intrigue around it, but it it is stunning because Tucker Carlson, I think for the last couple of years, at least few years, has basically set the agenda for the Republican zeitgeist on a nightly basis. He was must-watch TV. If you wanted to understand what the average modern Republican was thinking about or how they were going to view an issue, there was a good bet. If you watch Tucker, you'd get it. And so... Like it or not, that is the space that he occupied, and taking him off the air is is legit an earthquake as it relates to how opinion is shaped within the National Republican Party and the conservative movement, because he was shaping it, no question. On Don, look, I don't know what happened, and again, I'm not on the business end of this. You know, look, Don Lemon put me on television almost on a near nightly basis for years, and some nights we got into it and some nights we didn't. And we had, you know, I was often the one guy at his table that was willing to take a different opinion. Um, and I frequently disagreed with Don on things. But I have to say, he never censored me. He never asked me to take a position that I didn't believe in. He never, he said, he, all he ever wanted me to do was to come on and be Scott and be an authentic and use my authentic conservative opinion based on my thoughts and experience. That, that's it. That's all he ever wanted me to do. And I, um, and so beyond that, um, I don't have anything to say other than I, I hope I hope he lands on his feet and, and does well. He kind of became a punching bag for a lot of conservatives over the years and has been made fun of in conservative media. But I got to tell you, just from my experience with him, he was more than willing to have on honest conservatives who were willing to uh, have a debate. Now, he frequently berated me over my opinion. <laughs> he demagogued. He berated. And yeah. uh, and and and. You know that's kind of the nature of the of the beast of, of of the kind of format he was doing. So, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I know he's not on the air anymore, and I know he's one of the most recognizable guys for CNN over the last seventeen years. So, I, I, I earthquake is exactly the way I would describe it. I think you had it right. That'll do it for this week's flyover country with Scott Jennings. Any other closing thoughts? Any scenes, reads, or hurts? I'll just say I'll, I'll do one, which is to say my. Um both of my sons and I have have gone to the movies, the actual movie theater, in person, and to watch the Super Mario Brothers. Oh, movie. I, I took my kids. Yeah. It was so fun. My children reported it is the best movie they've ever seen. They <laughs> wow. believe okay. they believe it should win all the Academy Awards <laughs> for everything. And, and I know it's probably been already overstated. I'll say this: it, it was refreshing just to go see something that did not have 
any kind of a hidden subliminal, you know, messaging, you know, value, whatever. This was just fun. They hit it yeah. so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Uh, I thought it was true. By the way, for me, growing up with Mario, playing Mario, the music, the way they made yes. the music. The orchestral yeah. was really fun. It so, was incredible. Yeah. I still it, haven't seen it. It's a perfect blend. Oh, of, no spoilers. Spo- spoilers, that's right. Like, Kind of fun kids movie, like good for all audiences. But if you did play the games, there's a bunch of like Easter eggs. Oh, yeah. And I guess if you haven't seen it yet, but there are some scenes that are legitimately great. The car chase scene on the rainbow, I mean, was tough. Sean, I, I, the Mario Brothers are video game characters. Oh, oh, really? On a platform called Nintendo. You don't think that I played the Mario Brothers? Like, you told me you haven't seen. I'm explaining. I haven't the seen the movie. The movie. I'm just telling you where I they grew came up, from. I grew up playing the Super Mario Brothers with my grandmother. And the sequel. She wow. played. <laughs> oh, speaking of your family. Yes. <laughs> quick shout out to your dad who fell off your family's roof and broke his elbow. Oh, elbow. Right. Yes. We're so grateful that he. Uh, Mr. Southerd. Yes. Dude. We're so grateful stay that. Stay off the ladder in the future. To the doctor. No, no, stay on it. <laughs> Don't get on it in the first place. Go ahead, Sean. We're just we're just very grateful for the uh, the doctors in Owensboro who were able to uh, to do surgery on his elbow, repair that, and he, we're grateful that you know falling off a roof onto a concrete patio, like uh, it, it could have been really terrible, like could have been much worse. Yeah. So, alive. Uh, he's he's walking. He's he's able to get around, and he didn't hit his head. He didn't break his spine, and and so and we're. How's he spending his his rest and recuperation? Oh, listen to listen the Slabber Country. Yeah. Exactly right. Actually, he's trying to raise some money for the healthcare costs. He was actually on eBay earlier with <laughs> selling Sean's video game collection. Yes. <laughs> including T.S. Eliot, the game. <laughs> the game. Very popular game. <laughs> Kevin, is your baby in high school yet? What's going on with that he's baby? Get, he, he tried solid foods for the first time tonight. Wow. Not so, a fan. So, 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 so he and Biden are tracking together. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Cool. <laughs> That's not good. They have a similar that's, nap. That's not Sorry. good. They have a similar nap schedule. Tapioca. wake up crying every now and again. Freedom. Tapioca. Sean, what you got for us? Uh, I, I thank you for the, the shout out to and my thank dad. you in, in all seriousness, thank you. For, we're so glad for your recovery because that was a scary thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it Mr. Southern, thanks. It's frightening. Um, but so we're we're very grateful that that he's he's doing well and 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 uh, recovering well. Uh, I'm reading a good book right now called The Brutal Campaign, which is a, uh, a, a chronology of the uh, the 1988 campaign between H.W. Uh, Bush and Dukakis. Mm. Uh, highly recommend it so far. I'm only about like 70 or 80 pages in. Don't tell me what happens. <laughs> Spoiler. Don't give me any. The I'll end- read it. The, the ending is good. <laughs> <laughs> the best story about Michael Dukakis today, you know about his Thanksgiving tradition? No, no, we don't. We don't follow the the Thanksgiving traditions of Massachusetts so, Democrats. I mean, he's Losers. he uh, over the years. We, we, we do we do follow the Thanksgiving traditions of people from Massachusetts, though, right? <laughs> the, the original ones. Uh, and they sort of, of which, made it. So basically, he, he like a lot of older folks. He's distressed by the amount of waste because not people like you know they 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 carve the turkey. Yeah, and you don't quite, you know. By the way, if you can't see Joe's <laughs> pantomiming the carving of a turkey, you which you can't, it's, it's like but, more like a Cornish hen. It looked like you were playing the piano. It was, <laughs> it was more like plucking of a turkey. Use the Google machine <laughs> and and Google Michael Dukakis and turkey, and you'll see the people that will now. He has he's had to tell people to stop because he would boil down the carcasses of the turkeys and make the turkey stock that he then uses all year long. Oh. This is his big tradition because he wants to save all the turkey. Turkey stock. That came after Woodstock. There was another. <laughs> Aren't you from up there? Hey, Jared. Yeah. Jared. Oh, yeah. These I are your people. I've never. That's not it. We waste. Yeah. Throw it away. We're Republicans. Hey, so just waste hey it. Joe, I think you need to boil down this podcast into a stock that people can visit next week. Thanks for listening hey, to, I didn't get to do Country. My, I didn't get to do mine. Thanks me, for me either. Stop it. You're cutting me. <laughs> Fine. Go ahead. No, that's right. No, no. No. Kevin? Fine. I, 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 have a, I have a didn't get to see Red or Heard. Lizzo came to Kentucky this week uh, and had a concert, and there were promises made on this podcast about certain people buying me a ticket. I stood at Will Call. I used my name. I used <laughs> your name. They didn't have anything we, for we me. We gave your ticket to Olivia Krauth. Uh, so, uh, did you? No. Uh, <laughs> I, I finished a book, Ringmaster, by Abraham Reisman, which is the unauthorized biography of one 
Vincent McMahon, head of the WWE. And I have to tell you, if you're a huge wrestling fan like I am, it was fast. I'm sure Vince McMahon doesn't like it, but it was a fascinating trip through time of the evolution of the World Wrestling Federation into WWE and, and just... All the things that happened in the 80s and 90s that I remember vividly following. It was really fascinating. But, boy, there's some crazy scandals. Is there an overlap at all with the Dukakis campaign? <laughs> yeah, in that, in that some of it took place in 1988. Yes. There you have it. But a lot of overlap with Donald Trump. Yeah, and uh, and uh, So if you like wrestling and politics like I do, uh, anyway, good book. For Jared, Sean, uh, Kevin, Sean, Jared, Scott, I'm Joe. Have a great week. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Flyover Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.